Hey everybody, I'm Larry Little, and you're listening to Crossing the Line, my podcast where I talk with people about the moments in their life when they cross that line from leading with their head to leading with their hearts, and from leading with their hearts to leading with their heads. And today on the show, we have Steve Shaw. Now, if that name sounds familiar, it, it should, because you've probably seen him. In fact, if you love college football like I do, uh, you have seen him and you do know of him. Steve uh, has been uh, an NCAA official for many, many years, starting out in the high school ranks, working his way up. Uh, he was president of the SEC Football Officials Association and then moved on up, named the SEC Coordinator of Officials in 2011. And now he is the coordinator of all the NCAA officials and serves as a secretary and rules editor of the NCAA Football Rules Committee. Uh, he is incredibly important uh, to, to college football and does an incredible job. He is something special. This is a fun, fun interview. Uh, I'll, I'll be quiet because there's a lot to gain from our time with Steve, so let's jump into that interview right now. Well, you know, when you first meet someone, it you have this first impression thing going on, and, and sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong. But a couple of years ago, uh, I met this guy, and my first impression, to be honest, I didn't know him, but my first impression of him is, man, here's somebody that's sincere and authentic and real, and I just kind of connected with him and enjoyed meeting him. And I found out it was now my dear friend, Steve Shaw. And uh, Steve, I'm so glad that you've chosen to give us a little bit of your very valuable time. I know you're incredibly busy. I know you are slammed with all that you do with the NCAA. And we talked about that in the, in the intro, but I appreciate you being willing to come and help us to learn a little bit about leadership and, and learn about your life and being willing to share. That means an awful lot. Welcome to Crossing the Line podcast. I'm so glad you're here today. Thank you, Larry. Uh, it's great to be with you, and uh, I appreciate you as well uh, for what you do and, and and what you're doing in the world today. So thank you for, for what you do as well. Well, we're on a journey, and that is to learn and grow and help others to learn and grow and, and to speak into their life. So, you know, I want us to, to think about today not the very important and, and you know, significant things that you do, and you have risen to heights in this organization, the NCAA, but I want us to talk today about you. I want to talk about Steve. I want, to, I want to learn about who you are and what made you into the leader that you are today. So if you will, let's travel back in time. Let's go back. And uh, we're going to go back to when you were just a child. Take us back to, to the eight-year-old, the nine-year-old Steve, and tell us where were you and tell us what was a day in the life of Steve, the eight or nine-year-old. Wow. Well, that that's a scary thought going back that far. But, uh, you know, I, I, I grew up, I, I was very lucky. We we grew up in an area outside of Birmingham called Bluff Park. It was kind of out in the country. Now it's all the big city of Hoover, but uh, it was out in the countryside and uh, I had great parents and, and really had a carefree life. You know, you could do what you wanted to do. And uh, but but my parents were always instrumental in, in talking to me about doing the right thing, mm. you know, helping people doing things uh, that would make a difference. And, and I'm always thankful for that and nothing I did uh, to, to create that. But, uh, and it, you know, as, as you grow, 
um, you know, everybody's involved in school and, you know, how important is that? And, and probably in my early years, that wasn't really important. We, we played sports. We did. That's all we did. I mean, right. you know, there, there was not like you didn't focus on one sport when it was football season, you were playing football, then basketball, then baseball. And, uh, and so we were always doing something. And if we couldn't do that, we made a game up. Um, but it even, but it gives you that competitive feel. And, and so, you know, I always talk about, you know, it, it appears, if you look at my resume, it looks like I was a good student. I really wasn't that smart, but I was just competitive. I, you weren't going to beat me. If, if you were going to make an A, I was going to make a little higher A. And, <laughs> and so, you know, but, but I'm thankful that all that was there because I wasn't doing it purposefully. I wasn't mindfully doing it, but, you know, doing well in school mattered, but we were just being competitive. Well, you were, and, and you said something too, if we didn't have a game or if we, you know, didn't want to play the, the games that we did, we made up a game. What, you know, even back then, Steve, and I hear this from leaders and I talk to them today, that ability to be innovative, that ability to create, you know, I, I, I believe it, we, it may be a lost art in, in today's world. What do you think? Well, it, it is. And, and I, you know, I, I look at everything a lot of times through an official's lens. Um, but here's another thing it does, you know, now uh, in, in many of the programs for youth sports that we have are terrific, um, you know, but everything is travel ball and so organized and so regimented and uh, you know, sometimes parents think every peewee game is going to determine if they're going to get a scholarship or not. And it's really not. Uh, but but I think that one that this kind of lost is, yeah, we did in the summers, you know, we would make up games or we would, you know, take what looked like baseball, but modify it to the backyard and, and where the trees were and, you know, what what the fence was and all that. But, you know, the other part of it is we didn't have you know, that umpire there, we didn't have, you mm. know, a coach. And, and so you had to solve your conflicts. Were you safer out or who's going to bat first? You had to solve that as a group together as young kids. And, and that's something that I think was very helpful. Wow. And I really wish we had more of that. And now it's also regimented and organized. Sometimes we lose that. Sometimes you have to solve a problem as a group together. And that was great training to do that. There's a lot of wisdom in what Steve is talking about. We've lost the ability to handle uh, conflicts. We've lost the ability to have hard conversations. We've lost the ability to to work together to agree to disagree on issues. Uh, and I think we're seeing it. It's a much broader issue than um, than just a, a game. I think we are raising a generation of children even that don't know how to go out in the backyard and and create things, and then solve their own conflicts. Uh, it's a real issue. You have nailed what I have found over and over again with leaders. They, they because of their life and because of the experience that they had, primarily as children, learned to problem solve. They, they didn't have anybody to solve the problems for them. And, and once again, I, I think we're, we're losing that ability to have conflict, overcome conflict, to when we bump up against things, to, to learn how to navigate that, to either push through that or go around it. All of those important things that you learned out there, making up these games and playing them and officiating yourself. So, so now, Steve, you're, you know, you're out there, you're living a, a, just a great life. You're in the country, you're, you're out. You, but preteen sets in here we are in junior high now now we're steve 
the junior high guy, what's life like for you there? And, and how are your parents dealing with that? Well, it, it stayed kind of similar. You know, our family was focused on sports and that's mm. kind of what we did together really? as a group. Um, and, and my parents both played golf. And so, you know, then that brought, you know, a golf influence in as well. Uh, and, and, yeah. you know, later years, my wife said, uh, so uh, my wife, Jamel, great athlete and, uh, but never played golf until we met. And, you know, she said, Hey, I, I want to learn how to play golf. And I was like, nah, you don't have to do that. And she said, no, no, no. If I'm going to fit in your family, I'm going to have to learn that. <laughs> uh, but, but it, it, it was really, um, again, sometimes I think sometimes a too protected life. Right. But, um, you know, our focus was, you know, the, the sport of the year, still making good grades in school and, and, and having great friends. Uh, but that's really, you know, the things that I remember out of those, you know, formative years are the friends you made, you know, through all those activities and, uh, and, and some of those are lifelong friends. And, uh, uh, but I, I think that, yeah. you know, there was still in, for me, there was no view of, you know, you talk about leadership. I mean, I was just kind of mind numbing through the day, you know, going to school, supposed to make an A. Okay. Now we got practice and going there. So, you know, there was this, there wasn't this vision and goal of, you know, I, I wasn't 14 years old and said, I want to be, you know, this or that. I was just kind of working through, you know, and, and, and having fun and, and doing a lot of things that were great, but never really at that point in my life had a vision and goal and something that this is what I want to aspire to that we, we just kind of work, just kept going. Did you catch what he said there? We just worked. We just kept going. Um, they had created rhythms. He had rhythms in his life uh, as as a young adult, as a preteen. But he said, "Y'all went to school, and I strive to make A's." And then I went to practice, and we just we just kept working. Uh, there is something to be said for discipline, rhythms, and work ethic. And hmm. uh, and so sometimes I wish, boy, I wish at some point in there you'd have said, "Okay, my goal, my vision." And really lock that in, but at that age, it was just kind of working through the 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 sport of the day or the friend of the day. Yeah, you said that so well. Working through, and even at fourteen, fifteen, you know, you went to school, you 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 tried to make A's, you were competitive, then you went to practice, and you so you were taught a work ethic. You know, today, if somebody says, you know, I tell you what, I can show up to work on time and I'll do what I say I'm going to do. Wow, we're all amazed because it's so rare. But it used to be quite different, didn't it? Those were things that were expected of you as a teenager. Uh, work hard and do what you say you're going to do, right? Absolutely. And and it's funny, um, you know, and, and I'm not trying to move you along, but I remember my my first my first day when I had a real job, my first real job. I, I went to work for AT&T out of college and was so excited. And, and you know, and my first interaction with my new boss. So, you know, your first day, he, he kind of gave me a couple things to do. And then at the end of the day, we sat down and talked. And so the first question I asked him, I said, what what do you have to do around here to be great? How do, what do you have to do to be successful? Mm. And I'll never forget, he kind of leaned back in his, in his chair and he said, just show up. And I looked at him and I thought, wow, I, I thought it would take a lot more than just showing up. <laughs> uh, I think he said, just show up on time. And, and But what he really meant was not just to show up, but to be there, to be engaged, to be 
present in the moment and to right. really be part of that. So it, it was more than just showing up. But to your point now, um, you know, the discipline of all of that, sometimes you worry that, you know, the youth of today maybe doesn't get that discipline around that. And, uh, and, and so not that the youth of today isn't great. I mean, when, when you look at some of the athletes and players and people we deal yeah. with, I mean, oh, they're yeah. fabulous. Uh, but there, there was a different, you called it work ethic, discipline, whatever that is, that was kind of instilled in us growing up that sometimes now uh, that, that may not be there. And uh, especially with people that, you know, I, I, I admit I was lucky because I had this kind of, you know, two-parent home, easy life. I never worried about having next meal or, you know, you know what was going to happen next. Uh, but all kids aren't like that. And, and some really have tough circumstances to overcome back to 14 years old and 15 years old. And, uh, and, and that's where, you know, discipline can be one of the things that gets you through that process. You know, I love that. Even though Steve said, you know, hey, I had two parents, I was lucky. Um, and, and I had things, you know, perhaps easier than others. There are those that don't have it that easy. And it's so important for us to understand that. I mean, what can we do to help these young people, to help these children uh, who who don't have the advantages that even we had? I think it's incumbent upon us all as leaders, uh, as people who care, uh, to, to think about how do we instill those values? How do we help people who maybe didn't have the same type of upbringing that, that we were fortunate enough to have? It's a great question to ask and, and really caused me to stop and and think through that uh, in my own life. How, how can I speak into that a bit more? Yeah, I just wonder if we've lost that discipline, you know. And I don't think I don't think COVID helped. We and we all had to you know work from home. And and data is showing now that the, even those strong proponents of remote work are realizing that you really just can't have 100% remote work. That there has to be some some different type of, because of of the discipline to perform with excellence on a consistent basis and, and the collaboration. But besides that, I think when you were growing up, I think it was a different day, a different time, a different expectation. The expectations were just different. And, and you learned that at a very early age. So as a high school guy, were you the jock? Were you the superstar in the, in the, in the high school on the teams? Who were you back then? now? You're, you know, junior and, and senior in high school. Who are you? Well, and, and, and you hit it, although, you know, there were some great athletes that we were around and, uh, but, you know, I played three sports, you know, uh, my sophomore year, uh, football, basketball, right into baseball. And, and, and that was a lot. I mean, it was a lot. And, and I remember after my sophomore year and, and in fact, making the, the, the baseball team, you know, the varsity baseball team as a sophomore, you know, was a, was a huge deal, but then, uh, I played second base and uh, the second baseman ahead of me was all state as a junior coming back for a senior. So I got to rub up a lot of balls and pinch run and pinch hit a lot during the year. But at some point in that, it said, you know, three sports, that's a lot. And so um, I decided to, you know, I still kept three sports, but uh, in, in that, you know, baseball window, I decided to, to shift to golf and, it was almost like taking, you know, taking a semester off and playing golf and doing that, but on the golf team. But yeah, that was, that was the focus. Keep your grades up and, and do that. Um, but then you're really setting your foundation right then. 
for right. for your life. And uh, we didn't know it. I, you know, that's what I love to talk to people about is that, you know, it's so important. We, we talk about in officiating how it's so important, your integrity and your character. You know, every official goes through a background check every year. Uh, you know, and, and we look not only at criminal history, but your financial history and all. I mean, you don't have to be rich to be an official, but you can't have a negative issue in there. And, and a lot of times, you know, as an official, you know, we think, okay, well, you know, I'm an official now. I have to live the, the, the straight, narrow, clean life. But when do you start building that integrity yeah. and character? And, so, and it's early in life. And, and that's the message you want to get to kids is that, no, 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 you're setting your integrity and, and your character for life right now. So good. You can't just wait, you know, till you get that big job and say, okay, now I'm going to clean everything up because it's still going to be there as part of your history. That is brilliant. You're living your legacy right now. You're living it. That's, that's a great word. You're living your legacy. Wow. Steve had such a great point. I just want you to slow down for a minute. I want you to think about that. I want us to just kind of consider what kind of legacy are we living? And it's not a one-time thing. It's a cumulative thing that adds up through the, the days, the weeks, the months, and the years really, really inspiring to think about and challenging and convicting to me to think about how, what kind of legacy am I living right now? So you went through, you went and played golf a bit. Now you're graduating. What happened in college? Did you go, were you on a scholarship to talk that through? I, I, so um, when, when, when I was a, a senior, I had a couple of opportunities uh, but nothing at the division one level. And so, um, so, you know, I, I wrestled with a lot of that and wound up going to school. I was a math major, a little geeky, you know, but, uh, I didn't know um, <laughs> and so didn't, you know, didn't play a sport in college, uh, many times that's a regret, but I, you know, I would say I, I really, you know, as it turned out, it really worked out good, but, uh, I felt like I could have, would have, should have, but um, I kind of went where, you know, I thought was the right place, got an education, thought I wanted to be a coach. And and really, you know, people ask me all the time, how did you get into refereeing? You know, what, what, you know, people, you, you can talk to, you know, a thousand high school students. What do you want to be when you grow up? You know, doctor, lawyer, you know, programmer, you know, game, game player, whatever, you know, there's so many more options now. Uh, influencer, social media influencer. Right, There's so many things, right. but you can talk to a thousand kids. Not one will say, I want to be a referee. I want to be a referee. Right. <laughs> um, and so I thought I wanted to be a coach and, um, but, you know, I did some interviewing in school, you know, and, uh, you know, had good grades and math major, which, you know, teaches you no skill, but, but you, you've got a basis to do a lot of different things. And so I, I got a job offer from AT&T, making more money than I ever thought I would make, and certainly a lot more than you would have as a starting out coach. So I thought, you know, I'm going to go do that for a couple of years and uh, and really see, you know, save some money and then figure out where I'll go in coaching. But I moved back. I grew up in Birmingham area. I moved back to Birmingham and uh, with AT&T. And, uh, and so immediately a couple of the high school coaches called and said, Hey, you need to get involved. We need good officials that played the game and all that. And so I, I thought, Hey, great idea, you know, great way to stay involved in the game. It was a game I loved. And so that's really how that whole process of, you know, wanting to be an official and, and, and the message to, I mean, wow. 
people that, um, you know, officiate still have day jobs. And, and that's true. I mean, even NFL officials have day jobs. And so, uh, you know, football officiating allows that. And if you'll let me do a commercial, I mean, we, we're right now in a crisis in officiating. Um, we're not getting the young people replacing, you know, the people that are retiring. And, uh, and it is a great spot. And, and football is kind of unique because, you know, when you take those pads off for the last time, it's very different. Basketball, they're rec leagues after you quit playing and baseball and softball, and soccer, all these sports, you can keep doing that. But in football, when you take those pads off, you're done. You're done mm -hmm. forever. And the opportunity to be in a team sport as an official, you know, is really a great thing. So it's something that as I transition through that, um, you know, wanted to coach, took a job to, to, you know, save some money and, and then got involved in officiating and never, never looked back, you know, as far as coaching or everything, I wanted to be an official. So let's talk about that for just a minute. You said you used the term team sport as an official. So is that a, is it a team, is it a team sport for officials? And how, if so, tell me about it. It absolutely is. Um, you know, we 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 talk about, I mean, the bonding as a crewmate, you know, and when you walk out on the field and there's eight officials and a hundred thousand in the stands, you you get tight pretty quickly, right? But it what you find is that as you work together as a crew, that there's just this natural bond because you're you're in a pretty intense environment every week, uh, a lot of pressure, a lot of expectations. Uh, even more in today's world with all the social media. I mean, your your call is on YouTube before you even get off the field. And and so, you know, the intensity of that and the preparation and the work that you go in uh, really bonds that crew together. And, and it is a team. You know, people think, don't think about it much, but there's three teams out on that field. You know, there's an offense, a defense, and an officiating team. And, wow. Um, and, and so, you know, we work together. Uh, you, you have to be you know, dependent on one another. I mean, just like a, a running back's dependent on his offensive line. I mean, as a referee, I was a position referee, but, you know, we, when we have a pass downfield, people always come up to me after they go, hey, did you see that great catch? And I'm like, no, I didn't. You know, my responsibility is that quarterback and the action around them. And if I turn and look downfield and that quarterback's laying in a puddle of blood and I don't know how he got there, that's a bad day, right? So right. I'm working my part of the game I'm I'm trusting that back judge, side judge to to handle that part of the game and then working together as a crew and our mechanics. So it is truly a team sport that you have to have interdependency and reliance on one another. Um, you know, and even as the referee, we, when they have something, they have to bring to me great information so we can sort it out, figure it out, make a great announcement and move on. So it's a great team sport and all those life lessons in team sports that you learn growing up apply immediately to officiating. You know, it's amazing. Now I'll go all the way back to as a child, when you were playing those games and you guys said, you said we had to work things out on our own. We had to come together and figure things out. And, and you were learning team building skills way back then that you are using or that you you used uh, and you're officiating. And so tell me this, and and we're kind of talking a little bit about, uh, this officiating, because I think it's so relative to leadership. When you have a team of officials like that, and you're you're in, on this team, um, how do you know that? And how do you create? Uh, because I, I guess they work together throughout this. Does one team work together throughout the season? Is that the way they it works? do? They stay together. So how do they how do they overcome their 
you know, hey, maybe this guy has a different personality than this other guy, or maybe they don't, you know, don't really like each other. What what happens? How do they work that out? What have you seen? Well, and that's the beauty of it. I mean, you know, you you come together. You know, one of the things that is is a big area that that we've really worked hard in officiating is to be more inclusive. And you know, we we had minority officials that we we had really underperformed with as far as bringing them along and training them and nurturing them. And we've really worked hard to do that. But, you know, ultimately your crew is, is, is like life. You know, there's, there's going to be, you know, variances in backgrounds, you know, even now we have females working in college football, uh, high school football, really in all officiating uh, and, and how you work together, just like you said, to solve issues, but, you know, you, and and really it goes further than that. I mean, especially as a referee, you know, my responsibility is our pregame and, you know, all we do to prepare for that game. And and you've got to be wide alert in those pregames. You know, somebody may ha- be having a bad, bad week at work or, or something bad going on at home. One of their kids is in trouble or something like that. I mean, and you've got to recognize because if one of our crewmates is not performing, then that could hamper the whole crew. And so you've got to be wide alert to say, hey, you know, oh, Joe's not participating in pregame this week. Let's draw him in. What's going on? Recognize those kind of things and then be the support group. I mean, you know, we'd love to say, you know, from an officiating standpoint, you know, if they have perfect lives at home and all that, but they face the same thing that everybody else That's faces. Right. Um, and But when they pack their bags and, and fly out on Friday morning to go to their game, you know, what we always want to do, and we talk about it as a crew, you know, when I always felt when, when, when that plane took off, I took, you know, all the worries of home and job and all that and just packed it away. And it was going to be away for like, you know, a day and a half, you know, our Saturday and through two, we got, you know, Friday night, Saturday, you try to just pack that all away. Mm. And then you can, you can take back on the worries of the world, you know, on Sunday morning when, you know, everything's over, but um, recognizing, Hey, you know, this crewmate struggling, how do we support them? How do we get them back, you know, get their mind back? All those kind of things are so important as as we, as an officiating crew, work together um, to support and help one another. And that's, it's amazing what you see. Uh, you know, we we had, you know, there, there's there been great officials over the years, uh, you know, in the NFL ranks, Jerry Markbright, most of your people never have heard the name, so you can go Google him. And, you know, one of a great, you know, was somebody that I really admired and looked up to. And, um, you know, he gave me good advice along the way, but, but they were, they were asking, I don't know if I can hit this exactly right, but uh, there there was a group that was asked, uh, you know, if you had to put, you know, five words together to talk about your life or your officiating life. And, and his was uh, all my best friends are officials. I guess it was six words. (laughs) <laughs> All my best friends are officials. And it's and, and obviously you have family and you have really close friends, but the bonds you create in officiating are there for life. I have, you know, Butch Lambert it was, it was an umpire that I worked with and, and we're always texting or talking one another. And, uh, you know, he's retired. He's down in Florida now, you know, living the good life. Uh, but it's that bond that never mm. goes away. And, and we do it in officiating, but people have that in all type jobs or endeavors. Of you create that bond that really never never separates. And what a great leadership thought though that you got to be able to compartmentalize so that you can execute. But then you but that doesn't mean you don't have a relationship. It means that you are committed 
to the execution of the task, but then also you have the relationship that for you has, has really lasted a lifetime. So put this in perspective, and, and I can talk to you all day, uh, but our time is, is fleeting, but I'm kind of asking this. So help, help put all this in perspective. In your organization, how many officials are in the NCAA? Can, do you have a, a guesstimate? Or is, that, is that too big a question? Uh, wow, that, that's a huge question because, you know, we have Division three, two, and one. I, I'll use an example. We had uh, this, this past weekend, we, we did a meeting. We brought all of our referees, just the position referees, the white hat together with D1. Um, and then we had, you know, we had invited some D2 and D3 and we had over 200 people in the room, you know, really good. Wow. And, and our goal there is to get everybody on the same page, same rules, interpretation, same mechanics, same philosophies or standards to, to work through. Uh, but then, you know, you, you multiply that times eight and then the number of conferences. So it's a big number. I've never really counted that up. It, it's a really good question. I need it's to go. It's a huge number. It's in the thousands. I know. And but here's but the it thing. is. It, it, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say it is a big number. And and part of my role today is how do we get all of those people on the same page? You know, one of the things we're fighting, you know, people watch games and they say, well, the Pac-12 calls it this way or the SEC or the ACC or the Big Ten. And, and my role now is we should be kind of one group, one, we call it CFO. Again, maybe a little geeky, but if you look on the shoulder of our officials, it has a little pennant with CFO. That's college football officiating. It's an LLC. But one of the goals is, to ha it's a national game. We have got to be all together on that. And so we, we talk about one CFO and, and that's that what great. we try to try to get done. And, and that's a daunting task, but, but that's where we're headed. That's where we need to be in our game. Now you're talking about enterprise loyalty and it is incredibly important in any organization to create that, that unity and that, and boy, what a great leader. I could listen to you and learn all day long and, and you have such a great responsibility but as we close, I, I just want to pick your brain just for one more minute, if I could. So think about all that you've accomplished, leading multiple teams, multiple opportunities to instill and influence, and you do such a beautiful job and, and such a man of integrity and leadership. What would you say to those people who are thinking about their life and saying, you know, I really, I'm, I'm just starting my leadership journey, or maybe I'm in my leadership journey now, and I don't know, I need some leadership help. I need some, just some thoughts around how to be successful as a leader. What nuggets of wisdom could you leave with us today? Well, I, boy, that's a, that's a heavy question. <laughs> um, but three things come immediately to mind. A couple I mentioned, you know, having a vision and having a goal is so important. And regardless of, of what you're leading or where have a vision and have a goal, you know, the Bible says without vision, the people perish. Right. And that's true in a leadership role that if you, if you don't have a vision and you don't have a goal, and that's something that I, I wish I'd have learned, you know, when I was, mm. you know, in junior high, but so learned good. later in life to really have that vision and goal. And then the other thing is communicate, you know, you, you can never over communicate, um, I, I had a boss that, that, that one time said, um, you know, your organization, they, they need to hear this seven times before it even starts to yeah. sink in. So communications is, is so important through that. Um, and then, you know, understanding ultimate destiny versus your vision and goal and, and short-term destiny. I, I, I've used this in, um, you know, in, in relationship to to our sports and, and how important that was to me growing up. But, you know, 
there are games every year that are, you know, I think fans sometimes get kind of over the edge, you know, in, in our state, Alabama and Auburn, but there's Ohio state and Michigan. I mean, there's these games that, you know, it's like life or death, right? Well, guess what? It isn't because after Mm -hmm. this year and there's an Alabama Auburn game or Ohio state, Michigan, there's going to be one next year and there's going to be one next year. And, and I think, you know, part of this and what you do such a great job is tie leadership into faith, but there, there's ultimately one destiny for you. There's not a do-over. There's going to be another Alabama-Auburn game mm. next year and the next and the next. But in your life, there's no do-overs. And so ultimate destiny is so important. And, and that's what I appreciate about you. You blend that, your faith, with what you do. And that that that's what we need to hear more. Mm. Man, I appreciate that. And it is about a, a purpose greater than ourselves, isn't it? And when that's a great way to put that, well-articulated, Steve. Um, just a man of, of wisdom and integrity and leadership. You, have, you are living your legacy and you're impacting thousands as you do that. Thank you for giving us a bit of your time and, and sharing your, just a part another, your story is way much, there's much more to it than what we were able to talk about today, but thank you for sharing that and encouraging us and helping us to have just a little insight into who you are and more importantly, insight into why you are. So thank you for that. Thanks for sharing your purpose. Thanks for being with us. And we're going to look forward to your cruise. And I know, you know, man, I, I you just got a feel for them because people are ruthless and social media has made it a lot worse. But we'll be thinking about you and thinking about them and hope you just have a tremendous, successful year this year as we enter into the, the football season this fall. Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me on. And uh, I, I would just want all, all the fans out there to know our crews are working hard and, mm. and it's May and, and they've been working for the last few months to, to be ready for this season. So uh, uh, we're, we're excited about it. But uh, again, thank you. It was my pleasure to be here. Thanks, Steve. Well, I don't know about you, but I will definitely look at officiating differently I, I will respect and have a different uh, I'm maybe even a higher level of appreciation and and respect for these officials who work uh, year round uh, to to become a team to, to hone their skills so I really appreciate what Steve had to say and uh, just a man of wisdom who who helped us to remember the importance of learn, learning to solve problems, of learning to work together, to have those hard conversations of, of work ethic and rhythm. And, and then he said, you know, we need to make sure we have a vision and a goal and learn to communicate and learn the importance of, of communicating. He said seven times before somebody can really hear what, what we're saying in a, in a team setting. So interesting. And then he said, you know, make sure you understand your ultimate destiny. I hope that that you do know your ultimate destiny and you're living a life on purpose. Uh, Boy, what a great encouragement from Steve Shaw. I really appreciate him. Appreciate him giving us his time. And, uh, boy, now, (laughs) hey, I'm looking forward to college football even. He got me kind of thinking about it, and uh, we're right around the corner, aren't we? But thank you for today. Thanks for listening today. Thanks for being a part of our Crossing the Line family, as always. It's just an honor that you would – give of your time uh, to listen. I hope it has been some help to you as you continue to lead with your head and continue to lead with your heart in order to make a difference in the lives of those you love, live with, and lead. We'll see you next time.